You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy National Taco Day from the resident Mexican. Right here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez once again. You know, looking at a, a lot of different things in the world of sports right now, but the storyline that has taken over is not even on the field. Tom Brady and Giselle have hired divorce attorneys. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to just how badly do the Los Angeles Rams suck and love to screw me out of money. Rams money line, baby. We will also look at the college football rankings. 1-2-1-31. Yeah. <laughs> That's a doozy. Uh, and and a whole lot more. We're also going to talk some Pelicans as the Pelicans open preseason tonight. Yeah. We're also going to talk some Houston Astros as they close the regular season tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you. And so much more on the hotline if you want to hit us up, 706-0111. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, what's going on, buddy? I think the biggest enigma about you is the fact that you don't know much Spanish. Mucho cervezas, por favor. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. I remember you told me, like, you were like, I, I barely know any Spanish. I'm like, okay, interesting. I can, a- I can <laughs> ask for mini beers, please. Donde esta la leche? Not a, not a clue. Where's the milk? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no. So people, it, it, it's always a common misconception. People hear my last name and go, oh, you're Mexican. Hmm. No. Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> my ancestors came from the northern coast of Spain. Practically England. Not not Mexican at all, hardly Spanish. Um, they, <laughs> they 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 came. They went from Spain. They went from Spain to Nova Scotia, down to Louisiana, and the the Spanish heritage just absolutely disappeared. You're an absolute fraud. Yeah, you know, I've I've been told that once or twice. Wouldn't be the first time. So on today's show, again, 4.30, we're going to chat with Chris Connor to talk all things Pelicans as they open the preseason tonight. And then at 5.30, we'll do To the Moon Tuesdays with Brian Lalima of Sports Talk 790 in Houston. But today's poll question in honor of National Taco Day, what is your go-to taco meat? Is it chicken? Is it beef? Now, when I say beef, 
because you know Twitter only gives you four poll answer choices. So you have to, you know, work with what you got. So when I say beef, you can either go with the traditional ground beef or steak. Because they're both beef. I they're don't care what you say, things. James. I don't care what you say. You were they're debunked right beef. before the show. You were debunked right before the show. They're both beef. Doesn't matter. Two completely different styles. Still beef. Oh. It falls under the same category. How many will we know who likes steak and how many actually like just ground beef? Why does it matter? Because it's two completely different things. You're the one who came up with the question. Oh, my God. Fish. Which includes shrimp. You also include shrimp. Because oh. either one or other. It's not complicated. If you if your favorite is steak, click beef. If your favorite is ground beef, click beef. If your favorite tacos are shrimp tacos, you click fish. You should just click other and then just type what you want. It's not hard. <laughs> not hard. Oh. So far... 81.3% have said the beef category. 12.5% have said chicken. And 6.3% have said fish. So I'm a big shrimp taco guy. Like, big shrimp taco guy. I don't know. Something about shrimp and white queso that just goes well together. They just, it just, the, the, the flavors work. It's just good. I can't stand you. I know. That's okay. You're stuck with me. The yeah. show the show is crunch time with me, guys, and mesh. You are stuck with me. <laughs> for eternity. For eternity. We're going to sit here in these chairs for the next 70 years and talk sports five days a week. That's why I got drafted before you. <laughs> that is abysmal. That was that was hilarious. That is abysmal. <laughs> that was that was so why don't you go ahead and fill the folks in on what's happening? All right. So in my dynasty league, one of our buddies, he had said he wanted he. This was out of nowhere. This was out of the blue. He was like, "Let's do it. Let's do a draft. Let's reverse the order of how we did it in our real draft for the, for the dynasty league, and we're gonna draft sports analyst." So it's funny. Skip Bayless goes number one. Terrible. I was I was confused. I was flabbergasted. Absolutely but I was terrible. also happy because my guys didn't get taken. Number two. Was Malcolm Jenkins? Uh, that one horrible. That was all the way in for, the for corner a, for of a left field. For a multitude of reasons. That terrible selection. That got me. Number three was Scott Van Pelt. Fair. It was respectable. I like SVP. That's fair. Number four, I was heartbroken. Kay Adams. Oh, your girl. Oh, it hurt. One of these days, one of these days, uh-huh. Kay Adams will be a guest on this show. Oh, that's the plan. It's gonna happen. That's the plan. Kay Adams will be a guest on this show. Number five was Doris Burke. Okay. Doris, is, Doris is really good. Okay. She's very good. Okay. Number six was Megan O'Levy. For all you okay. UFC buffs. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Number seven was Aaron K. Dolan. No. <laughs> he no. said no. No. They said they said he picked her because she was hot. Uh, that was just the reason. That was that was the only I was like, all right. And then Terrible. number eight was Field Yates. Very good pick. Fair. Number nine was Chris Berman. Fair. He's a legend. I'm a and I'm gonna stop right here and just say this. I was pick number twelve. And there were twelve people. At number ten was yours truly. <laughs> I was pick ten. 
but here's that's that's what's so funny. You you, oh buddy, <laughs> I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't even expecting to get picked. I I would like to launch a formal investigation. I think there was some tampering. You involved. thought there was collusion. There was some tampering. You want to look some at the coercion. You want to look at the chat. <laughs> uh, there there's something's fishy there. I don't know why I got picked. Number um, eleven was Woj. And then number twelve. Number twelve. Who'd you pick? At one twelve and then two oh one I put I picked Pat McAfee and Shaq. Oh Lord. I got I got me an NFL guy and an NBA guy. Alright, so a, a couple other things that we need to look at. So last night, Latavius Murray was signed by the Denver Broncos. Absolutely snagged. And people are incredibly angry, as they should be, and very confused as to how it happened. So here's what I've gathered. Every NFL team can protect four practice squad players, but they can only do it on a Tuesday. On a Monday, players are fair game. The Saints extended an offer to Latavius Murray to join the Saints' 53-man roster, as did the Denver Broncos. Latavius Murray simply thought he had a better opportunity in Denver. Which is very fair. Very fair. It's it's plain and simple. It's not like the Saints didn't do their due diligence to try to keep him. I mean, they offered him a spot on the roster. Latavius Murray just liked the situation in Denver better, which James and I, you can't blame him. I mean... He's going to get more playing time in Denver. Their lead back just went down with an, an ACL tear. Yeah, I mean you you can't you can't blame the guy. You'd be splitting with Melvin Gordon, who's had troubles this year, to say the least. So so uh, yeah, I, I I I would not blame him by any stretch of the imagination. I wouldn't blame anyone. In, in fact, now, I would just say good luck to you, Latavius. Is it is it frustrating that he's gone? Absolutely, it sucks. But it's not like the Saints didn't try to keep him. So, for everybody trashing the Saints on social media because they didn't keep Latavius Murray, not at all the case. They they did everything they could, and it just didn't happen. Um, Saints also add Chris Harris Jr. to their practice squad, which is an interesting move to me. I mean, Chris Harris, he had his time. He was a great corner in Denver, made some legendary plays, but now he's 33. You know what this signing reminds me of? Whenever Champ Bailey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How'd that work out? He didn't make it to the, I don't even think he made it to preseason. Exactly. Or he might have played in preseason for like a game or two, but he, he didn't make it to the final 53. This is an interesting move for me. I understand. You might as well fill the spot, and it's like, well, it's a... But why wouldn't you fill it with a young guy that just needs some grooming and let him get reps in in the practice squad? Why are you going to fill it with a guy that will probably never see the field and then retire at the end of the year? It it just doesn't make sense to me. Why not go sign a 25-year-old that's got untapped potential that just might need a little bit more work. Because you've already got a few others that, that are pretty young that you're already grooming and having them but play it, 
but again, a 33-year-old that has passed his prime, what benefit does that give you? Where's the Where's the benefit? I mean, it's to me, it's irrelevant whether you get somebody young or not because they're probably not going to see the field. And so if they're not going to see the field, it's not like they're really going to develop all that much and become a potential star. So to me, you just get a guy that has had experience in the league that has made plays, and it's like, God, if we're desperate enough, then yes, you you elevate him. But other than that, I mean, would you rather trust an undrafted rookie that has never played before, or would you rather trust a 33-year-old corner if it, if it came down to it? And then here's the other thing that I don't understand. You just lost Latavius Murray. Alvin Kamara, you're still not sure what his injury status is. Mark Ingram has been okay at best. Why wouldn't you go get a back? You don't need a you don't need a corner. You have no holes in your secondary. You don't need a corner. Why wouldn't you go get a piece that you need? You need running back depth right now. You need bodies in that running back room. Why are we wasting practice squad spots for washed up corners? Just doesn't make much sense to me. And, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, complaining like an old man. I don't know. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That's all. That's all I'm saying. It's time to kill two birds with one stone, help a good cause, and do some early holiday shopping. The Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club auction will be held tonight on KDCG Channel 50.2 over the air. Cox 9, Charter 11, LUS 22. The auction begins at 6 p.m. and viewers can bid on a variety of items, including gift cards, vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, memorabilia, and much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes and items can go for pennies on the dollar. So make sure to tune in tonight starting at 6 for the Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club auction on KDCG. We'll take a timeout right here. When we return, we'll hear from Saints head coach Dennis Allen and we'll also recap Monday Night Football right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So going back to my gripe with the practice squad, you know, my, my issue is this. And I understand that, you know, the practice squad is kind of just there for, you know, a backup, for extra bodies, whatever. My thing is this. Why would you pay a 33-year-old washed-up corner to take up a spot on your practice squad when you signed an undrafted free agent rookie who has untapped potential and just needs more time to develop? Why wouldn't he take up that practice squad spot? Because Abram Smith is not on the practice squad. Looking at the practice squad roster right now, he's not on it. Josh Andrews, Taco Charlton, Vincent Gray, J.P. Holtz, Jordan Jackson, Lucas Kroll, Kirk Merritt, Christian Ringo, Nafe Sewell, 
Rashid Saheed, Yashur Durant, Keith Kirkwood, Chris Harris, Jordan Brown, Adam Prentice. Abram Smith is not on the Saints practice squad. I don't know where he is. He might be on somebody else's practice squad, and that news just got slipped under the rug. But again, he's a free agent right now. The the problem that I'm having is a guy who you could use, and maybe and maybe you don't. I was gonna say, but here's the thing: there's a reason why he's a free agent, why the Saints went in other directions with other running backs. But is there? Tony played a lot better. Okay, Dwayne but, but played a lot better. But that's what I'm saying. Those guys are on the active roster. I'm not saying put Abram Smith on the 53. If you man. really need to, but you can always just sign him. You don't. You don't have to go to the practice squad first. You can always go get free agents and just sign them to the active roster. They don't have to go. You don't have. It, it's not like it's a chain link. But I, I, I under again, I understand. But my point is, if he's on the practice squad. He's practicing with the team. He's getting reps. He's still understanding the offense. You know, things like that. The coaches can watch him if he has a good day or whatever. Chris Harris is going to retire in two months. <laughs> That's just a waste of a spot. Give it to a guy that could actually benefit from it rather than, you know, Tom Brady Jr., who's months away from from walking off into the sunset. But anyways, the other news is Eric Wilson getting signed off the Saints practice squad, which I think is a huge blow to the Saints defense. Uh, Eric Wilson was a guy that you know really shined during the preseason, showed a lot of promise, a lot of potential, and again, very similar to Abram Smith, a guy who just needed a little bit more work. And so, I mean, the Packers understand that. The Packers saw that. And now Eric Wilson's going to London for the second straight week. So, I mean, good for him. So, uh, that's that. Monday Night Football last night. I, I don't even know how to say this nicely. The Rams suck. Like, they suck. Because let's be perfectly frank about something. And James, you can disagree with me. It's a free country. 49ers defense isn't very good. They're not great. You got a couple pieces. But collectively, there's nothing special about this Niners defense. You don't like Fred Warner? Again, couple pieces. Oh. But collect put it all together, there's nothing special. They're okay. But it's not like they're world beaters. They're not going to set the world on fire. You didn't score a touchdown. Your leading rusher had 27 yards. Cooper Cup only got over 100 yards because he caught the ball 14 times. He set a career high in receptions. He was targeted 19 times. And then 
you know, we love Debo Samuel. I said yesterday Debo Samuel was due for a touchdown. How many times are you going to not tackle a dude? I mean, that was horrible. Debo Samuel should have only gotten about 10 yards on that play. You should have tackled him in midfield. Instead, he broke about seven tackles and went 60 yards to the house. Now, what I thought was funny was I saw a video on social media, and it was this guy, he ordered, I think it was four large french fries from McDonald's. And he was watching the game, and he would eat a fry for every yard gained. So on that Debo play, he had to eat 57 french fries. I thought that was hilarious. But again, the Rams are bad. You want to talk about Super Bowl hangovers, they're having one. I mean, Matthew Stafford was sacked seven times. Again, we're talking about a defense. Again, they're okay. But they're not world beaters. They're not absolutely lighting the league on fire. You had two guys, two guys on the Niners defense last night have multiple sacks. Here's my thing about you saying that the 49ers defense is mid is looking at them as a team. I mean, they have six they have six turnovers on the season. They they've taken the ball the taken the ball away six times, which is not bad. A little over, you know, one one and a half a game. They're also first in the NFL in yards allowed a game, tied with Buffalo. They're tied for second in the NFL for sacks allowed. And points given up each game, 10-7-10-9. They're not playing the Buffalo Bills, but, I mean, you giving up 36 in four games, you're giving up on average nine points. Pretty good defense to me. Really? What? Have you have you looked at who they played? Whether you've, you you you've played the Bears? Mm-hmm. Like I said, you're not playing the Bills, but it's not like they're bad. And you they're they're pretty good. They've given up forty six points. So sure. eleven and a half a game. Which I mean is still pretty impressive. But you've it's... played the Bears, the Seahawks, and the Broncos. Or oh, I, I had miscounted. Nineteen against the Bears, yeah. Before playing the Rams. You haven't been playing the top of the cream of the crop in the NFL. And that that's so that was will, my disclaimer. So I will retract my statement. The 49ers are a Slightly above average defense. But for the Los Angeles Rams, who just won a Super Bowl, and who'd you lose on defense other than, I mean on offense, other than Odell? Really and truly, who'd you lose? Whitworth. Uh, A 40-year-old left tackle. Who was still one of the best ones. 
Okay, so you lost Andrew Whitworth. You lost Odell, who really didn't do a whole lot for you in the Super Bowl anyway. What'd you lose? You, you, didn't, you didn't really lose anything offensively other than that. But that, that that's what I'm getting at. You have the same team that you have from a year ago, and you couldn't get in the end zone. Don't you see an issue with that? The Rams aren't good. And I'd love to argue with anybody that thinks that they are. Because, again, I don't care what you could be playing the Buffalo Bills. In the NFL, if you can't get into the end zone in 60 minutes, you suck. You're not good. Offensively, you're not a good team. I mean, I, 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 just, I don't know what else to say. You know, you, you, look at, you look at the Rams' drives from last night. Field goal, punt, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, punt, interception, fumble, ball game. How do you have a 16-play, 75-yard drive and you only get a field goal? They call that bad football. It's just not good football. I, I, I really, I don't know... How else I could how could how else I could explain that it's not good football? Let's go to the hotline seven zero six zero one one one. Max, what's up? I will never forget the Nola no call. I cheer every time the Rams stink it up on national prime time. I, I don't the blame you. Other, <laughs> the only other couple teams that I hate just as much are the 49ers, the Falcons, but unfortunately someone's got to lose the game, and if it's going to be one, I'll always choose them nasty Rams. And you see, b- before, makes- before last night, I knew the Rams were struggling, but my thought was, oh, you know, it's the Super Bowl hangover, they're starting slow, you know, they're going to have a good bounce-back game against a rival. And they laid an egg. Well, I heard what you were saying, and you asked who they lose. So they lost Von Miller on defense, they lost uh, Whitworth. They lost Odell. So it might not sound like a lot, but that is three star players of your starters. Three of 22, that's over 10%. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but it quickly adds up in the NFL when you're talking about the 1% of the elite players that we know them by name off the top of our heads. So it, it is a somewhat of a significant number. The, Whit- the Whitworth loss is huge. Um, and obviously Von Miller's huge, but I was looking at just offensively. Um, yeah, I agree. The, the Whitworth loss is huge. Odell... You said Odell wasn't doing anything. I mean, he played until like midway through the second quarter, and he was the first one to score a touchdown. Well, you also and he was scoring a touchdown every single game. With Odell, is Odell what he used to be? No, he's, he's a shell of, him for, of his former self with the Giants. But the point of that is he does at least take some attention away from uh, Cooper. Therefore, Cooper's a little more open. It's just like 
Mike Thomas being on the field, even if he doesn't make any catches, he's at least taken something away from Landry and Olave as far as what the defense can scheme on him. And I mean that's that's fair. I, I, I won't I won't disagree with that. But uh, again, you still have Matthew Stafford. You still have four of your five starters on the offensive line. You still have Cooper Cup. You still have Tyler Higby. There's no reason. No run game. There's no reason that you can't get in the end zone. Like I said, no run game will, will create that problem. That's half of what we're having the problem with the Saints about. I mean, I I, I guess that's fair. Um, I I don't I don't think that Daryl Henderson. I don't think he's the worst running back in the world. He's not a good one, uh, but I definitely don't think he's the worst running back in the world. But I digress. Anyways, let's talk about suit up. Fashion tuxedos and suits for all occasions. Guys, whatever you need, whether you're getting married, you're going to a Mardi Gras ball, you just need a suit to have. Every guy needs one. You know, they have it for you. Professional service. They're going to measure you every time you step in the door, make sure it's a perfect fit every time. Three locations in Lafayette on Ambassador across from Planet Fitness and Chuck E. Cheese. In New Iberia and in Lake Charles, across from the Prion Lake Mall, Suit Up reminds you to get your kids dressed for homecoming at Suit Up. And when you go, tell them that Crunch Time sent you. Take time out. Chris Connor joins us next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up. That's a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Crunch time on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Met me, guys. James Mesh, 40 after the hour. It's time to talk Pelicans basketball. It's with our guy, Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media. Chris, what's going on, bud? How are you? I'm doing all right, man. How you guys doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. So storyline tonight, Zion Williamson's back for the first time in over a year what are the expectations for big number one tonight? Man, you know, um, it's just it's just really to see him to see him be out there. You know, um, it's just I think a lot of people are, are happy. I think I saw earlier over what five hundred days since we've seen him play basketball. Uh, it's a preseason game, so you know I you know I expect him to have some level of nerves, even just being back out on the floor, but also being really excited. Um, and I mean, from a, a strictly basketball perspective, sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, we all want to see some early ideas or, or thoughts about how he's using the offense, how he's playing with some of these guys that he hasn't been next to and, you know, actual, uh, actual game settings, you know, but man, I mean, I, I really just want to see him out there having, having some fun. Um, and we'll take care of some of the other things from the defensive side of, of things and whatever he's added or taken away from his game once we physically see it. Looking at Larry Nance and C.J. McCollum, both signing contract extensions to stay with the Pelicans for at least the next two or three years. You know, how important are those moves to, to keep that core, you know, especially those two veteran guys with, with the young guys? How important is that move? 
Well, you always need a good mix, man. I mean, you know, I, you know, I think that a lot of past past regimes and past teams have had too much of one or too much of the other. And, you know, you know, the Pelicans, you know, last season brought the best balance that I think the organization has seen in some time. And it wasn't just that it was veterans. It wasn't just that, that it was rookies. It was the right kind of guys uh, that all fit each other. And you saw that in what, uh, what we keep hearing about the energy, even when the team was down. And, then, you know, you add a C.J. McCollum, you add a Larry Nash to it. You know, I think that this, this organization, this team, a lot of these players, these star players, they haven't had, a, had an opportunity to, to see – you know, this level of consistency, right? You know, Brandon, Brandon Ingram, for example, you know, I think this is the first time he's had a head coach back-to-back years. And, you know, Zion has seen a different guy come in. You know, the players have been different. The roster, they finally, whether or not you believe that this team is is one that will be in championship contention and that within this next two, three-year period, it's nice to see that, or it's nice to say that there there's some level of commitment to it uh, because, you know, we know what, you know, a, a bunch of individuals that, you know, we know talent matters, but that being able to be familiar with the guy next to you, that chemistry and not having to worry about playing with and adjusting to different individuals and different sets and different schemes matters. So um, I think that it's, it's just good to see that not, not only players that matter in this league are saying yes to New Orleans for a longer period of time after what we've heard for so long, but it's dope that we'll get a chance to find out whether this team crashes or burns uh, for you know a commitment that's beyond just one year at a time. How good, in your opinion, can this team be? Whew, uh, <laughs> I feel like man, we've been we've been talking about that and, and, and pondering it all all off season. I mean, but I I get you know I get with all of the excitement that's involved with this team and the talent. You know, I, I, health health definitely matters, but I, I've I've been comfortable feeling like they're a, they're a fifty win team. Um, you know, I think that they have enough flexibility, offensively and defensively, and I think that they're going to overpower a lot of teams, um, especially if that core three of Bi, CJ, and Zion are all able to go out there. Uh, it's just going to be hard for teams to consistently keep up because they have so many different ways to beat you. Um, and you know, I, I believe in some of the rookies. And you know, well, second year guys that are, that are coming back with um, more to prove and what they will be able to add to their games going forward. It all may not. Click. There may be somebody that we're expecting to do well that you know kind of under underwhelms. But this is the deepest roster that that the Pelicans have had in a in a very long time, and they're not just welcoming back you know any guy. They're welcoming back you know a, a generational you know talent when we're talking about what he can do offensively with the ball. There, I. I think Willie will continue to grow as a coach, and they're clearly gonna gonna fight for him. You put all those things together. Um, I think this team has what it takes. At worst, um, I think that they're a fifty-win team. You know, Dyson Daniels is a guy that the Pelicans were really high on drafting him early in the first round. He rolls his ankle in summer league. What's the latest health update? Is he back to a hundred percent? And if so, how much do you expect to see him in the preseason? I think you see Dyson a lot, man. Uh, you know, we've heard nothing but nothing but good things. Uh, I think a couple of weeks after after he rolled his ankle in the summer league, he was back out there hooping. Um, what you keep hearing is that he's going to earn minutes quicker quicker than most people think. And I don't think that that's by accident. I mean, he you know he fits what this team I think needs in a lot of areas when we're talking about flexibility at the guard position. It's defensively. 
I've heard good things about his jumper. And listen, if he's knocking down shots and he's wrecking havoc defensively, he's going to be a really good part on this team quicker than you know people may believe. It doesn't mean he's going to steal someone's job. It doesn't mean he's going to be in the starting lineup. It doesn't mean he's closing games. But I think that there was this thought that you know you would put him in a spot to where you kind of redshirt him. I don't think Dyson's going to allow that to happen. Um, I'm I'm pretty high on the kid. I think you're going to see a lot of them in the preseason to figure out where exactly he's going to fit, what kind of lineup pairings work, and um, how can he play with some of the premier talents on this team. Because when you look at Brandon Ingram, when you look at B.I., when you look at Zion, offense isn't a question. You know, Jonas Valanciunas, offense isn't a question. It's about how these guys are, how are these guys going to defend, how are they going to get stops against some of the better teams in the league and the better teams in the West. Dyson is one of those individuals that even at his age you brought in to one day be one of those guys. I think he might have that opportunity early, even if it's at a small sample size. Now, Chris, looking at camp, I mean, they've wrapped it up. Who so far has impressed you the most? Um, man, you know, um, who's impressed me the most? Probably, probably Jose Alvarado. You know, um, when you have a summer like he had of just playing nonstop basketball, you know, you expect somebody somebody to get tired, man. You know, you expect a slow start, sluggish. Nah, man, Jose's the same dude, man. He, he, the energy is there. The work ethic is there. The shot looks, looks good. The shot looks better. And that's going to be very, very important for him because he's going to get, you know, he, he had the opportunity to take some big shots for this team last year, late in the year. Well, he's going to get even more wide open attempts with welcoming back Zion and B.I. and, you know, and C.J. and Jonas all, you know, continuing to work together and Herb and Trey taking a step forward. The opportunity is going to be there and Jose might be, we're talking about true point guard, he might be the only true point guard on the team. So, you know, he's going to have the opportunity, you know, to make plays and still be be a big part of this team, I believe, if all goes well. Uh, but just what we've heard about his jumper, you, the videos are out there of him still working after practice with, you know, with Fred Vincent, you know, and some others. Um, I don't want people to underestimate what he could look like coming into year two after the summer that he's had and the work he's put in. Chat with Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media. Chris, you know, you talked about the, the roster being – being one of the best it's been in a long time. The talent level is obviously sky high. Willie Green showed last year in year one that he could be a successful coach in this league. Besides that, though, and obviously that factors into this question, but why has the buzz been so high with this team this offseason? Um, I mean, when you, when you look at the run that they had at the end of last year, you know, I mean, it was hard not to love the team. They had so many, so many different wonderful personalities that, you know, that lit up rooms, they fought, they weren't afraid, they came back from, you know, from a slow start, the resiliency is there, everybody loves Willie Green, and, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you're, you're welcoming back somebody that, you know, a number one overall draft pick that, I mean, he's being compared numbers-wise, his start is being compared to Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal, you know, so it, it, it's a team that, you really don't know what they can do. You really don't know. If they don't play defense, it, 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 could, it could make them miss the playoffs, or it may not matter because of how good they can be offensively in the regular season. It's, it's, it's a point to where they're not just looking at 
just a you know a small climb. Some people think that they can they can climb into a top four seed in the Western Conference, and the talent might might lead you to believe that it's just it's it's so many positive vibes, the fan engagement, man, everything that you know a lot you know from just every all the pieces have connected. Everybody's positive about the team. It's people, you say one thing, one bad thing about the Pelicans, and listen, man, you know the Pels twelve, you know. It, is on you, man. All the different people that have been able to branch out and you know and kind of uh, create a lane for themselves in the media space. It's just when I guess when the when the positivity is so is so live within, it's hard for anybody else on the outside to say anything negative and to not see it. Like the Pelicans have become a trending topic, and I mean the best thing I can tell you, man, is that a lot of things have all come together at the right time, but. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the people, man, that, that that have really, you know, said, man, you know, we're tired of people looking at our our team like, you know, they're not worthy of being one of the 32 in the NBA. And now, man, I mean, you're, you're looking at a spot to where the entire region is rallied behind this team. During Saints season, we talk about a preseason game. People got up at 5 o'clock this morning to talk about a preseason <laughs> game. <laughs> the Saints just got back from London. They play against Sunday. That's, that's a, that, that, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in this in this region in this city. It takes some time. Nah, man, people look like they're gonna be here day one. It's different. It's crazy times, but uh, we are out of time, Chris. I know you got a role. I appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on and always giving us good insight on the Pelicans. All good, man. Anytime, bro. All right. That was Chris Connor of Boot Crew Media. We're gonna go ahead and take a timeout, and when we come back, we're gonna wrap up our number one. You're listening to Crunch Time here on the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Just a couple minutes left here as we wrap up our number one of Crunch Time. Welcome back. One thing that I'm really interested in seeing is, this is a couple days late, but the Phoenix Suns lost 134 to 124 to the Adelaide 36ers. Now it's a preseason <laughs> game. But it, but it's it's not like the starters were only playing like 5 minutes. No, the whole starting five played practically a whole first half. And campaign 20 played 26 minutes and Shamet played 23. I'm not saying that you need to absolutely worry about the Suns and them go winning only like twenty five games, but man, it, this has been a crazy oh, fall bad. from grace. It's bad. I saw a couple of uh, I saw a couple bets last night um, that the guys were betting like the win margin on preseason games, and they were hitting. Like a dude, I, I saw a guy placed a two dollar bet. And he made like two hundred seven hundred. Oh, seven hundred. Okay. Like the numbers were wild, and like how 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 do the Suns lose to an Australian basketball team? I mean, no offense to the Australians, but the talent gap is clearly there. And I'm and, how and I'm and I'm not totally sold on this, but don't. Don't like peop doesn't Australia play like a slightly different set of rules? 
I think there might be like like I know minuscule things. Like I know when it comes to when you play for uh, the Olympics, like the way they call travels and like carries and like different like nuances like that. It's yeah, slightly different. There, there there might be some slight variations, but I mean the main rules yeah the the, the main core is still very are, much the same. Are the same. But also looking at the stats, they shot. A good solid over fifty percent, just it's, from the floor and from behind the arc, and they were eighteen of twenty from the charity stripe. Oh, it's bad! It's bad. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk Houston Astros. We're going to talk Cajuns, and we will get to audio from the Cajuns, LSU, and the Saints right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Am I the only one that's tired of the Aaron Judge cut ins? Hour number two, crunch time on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. But I'm serious. I'm serious. My thing is this. I understand, you know, people are excited that a record that has stood, you know, forever is about to be broken. Well, maybe. If... You know, Aaron Judge gets off of 61. But here's my thing. Okay? And you can argue with me all you want. I have a feeling the hotline's going to blow up with what I'm about to say. When the record for the season is 72, what's special about 62? It's the AL record. Great. Congratulations. Again, you're breaking a record that has stood for... Half a century. Congratulations. But it's not the MLB record. You're not Bonds or Sosa or McGuire. And before somebody calls in and says, oh, well, they took roids. They they don't deserve to be there. Everybody was taking roids in the 90s. That was the era of baseball. So that's irrelevant. But here's, here's my biggest complaint with the Aaron Judge thing. And James, I'm, I'm going to ask for your opinion after what I'm about to say. Everyone knows that they're just going to walk him. Nobody wants to be the pitcher that lobbed him the 50-mile-an-hour fastball that he can pancake to right field and break the record. Nobody wants to be that guy. No one wants to. But, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a pitcher that's going to want to take that chance and be like, mm. Let me try and strike him out. They're either going to walk him or they're going to keep the ball low in the in the zone and he's going to hit a grounder. I mean, yes, he's gotten on base in, I want to say it's 31 straight games, which is impressive. But, it, but seriously, with two games left in the regular season, is he going to do it? Probably not. Do we really need to... 
interrupt the game that you're watching on a completely different network to go watch my, this? Exactly. Do we exactly. really need to? My thing is, if I wanted to watch Aaron Judge, I would find the Yankees game. You'd find some sort of stream. You would find would a way find to go watch it. some sort of way to watch that. Now, if you want to cut into my game to show me the clip of him hitting the 60-second home run... In between plays or timeouts? Go right sure. ahead. But not... Go right ahead. Don't give me that split-screen crap. That's ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember them doing that whenever it came to... I think it was Peyton Manning's last regular season game or something of the sort in the Warriors going for win number 73. I don't remember them doing that. You know what You know what I wouldn't have been mad about? If you'd have started doing cut-ins for uh, our pool holes, searching for 700, okay, cool. 700 home runs is monumental. Hitting the most home runs in one season in the American League? Putting yourself 7th all-time in the MLB in one season? Eh. I mean, again, good for you. Very nice season. I mean, I've never seen somebody hit 62 home runs. I was an infant when McGuire and Sosa played. But it's not like it's, you know world-renowned, oh my God, this is incredible. And again, if I wanted to see it, I would find it. That's my gripe. If I'm watching college football, it's because I want to watch college football. I don't care about Aaron Judge getting a four-pitch walk against the Orioles. Just don't. 706-0111 if you want to hit us up on the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Going back to the poll question, update a little bit. Uh, The quote-unquote beef category is still at 68.2. Chicken has 13.6. And the question is, what's your favorite taco protein since it is National Taco Day? Which I had some tacos for lunch from my good friends at the the Hangout Sports Pub in Youngsville. Uh huh. Bruh. Very. Oh man. Muy bueno. Muy bueno. Oh, look at you. Muy bien. Muy bien. Very good. Shrimp and shrimp with also including shrimp and fish in the same option as well. Nine point one. And you're then, so mad about that because it's stupid, Matt. You're so that mad was about so that. Stupid. Even Ton agrees. He says, ground beef and steak may be coming from the same animal, but deserve separation. Protein choice, though, shredded pork. Pork is really good. Love that. Toss that with some house mole and pico guacamole. Unbelievable. Damn. Now I want to get tacos. I'm the same. I kind of want to get some tacos after this. Yeah. Uh, Ralph in the minority, but he's going with lobsters in Boston. The lobsters well, in Boston he had one time were outstanding. Lobster, lobsters from Boston are good. And then Steve, Salty Steve, he says curry goat, feta cheese, lettuce, and tomatoes. It's a Bahamian 
taco. I don't know if I'm butchering that pronunciation, but Bahamian tacos. I'm down with Bahamian tacos. I'm willing to try new things. I like I like food from the Bahamas. Don't go crazy. All right, so not taco related. If you're a fan of LSU, which which a lot of us are, and you're a fan of barstool sports, which again, a lot of us are, it has just been announced that Dave Portnoy and his buddies will be at Fred's Bar and Grill in Baton Rouge on October 22nd for the (laughs) Ole Miss LSU game. They will be doing the Barstool College Football Show from Fred's in Baton Rouge on October 22nd. Shoot, I I I may go Friday night to Baton Rouge. So... You know, do do with that information what you will. You know, Dave, Dave, do a pizza review. Dave, Dave, poor die. Pizza review. <laughs> Just bring him a pizza. Hey, review this. Like, oh my god. Just bring him like some Little Caesars pizza. Hey, can you review this? He'd probably slap it back into your face. Big cat, I love you. Oh my god. So yeah, in the picture that got posted, it's Dave, Big Cat. Megan making money, who by the way is from Lafayette, um, and some other guy that I don't know his name. Is it what's his? Is that guy? Is it that guy from Mississippi? That's a Mississippi State Bulldog. No, no that's I know who you're talking about. Not no, that's not him. But no, so pretty cool. Send me that. The, uh, send me the picture. That they're uh, they're coming to Baton Rouge. Is it on their regular sports book? Uh, no, FanDuel Sports account. No, I'm a. I'm going to send it to you. Okay. Um, so going back to, you know, things that matter. Looking at the, you know, obviously we, we talk about coaches that are on the hot seat. James, I find this interesting. So our, our friends over at CBS Sports, they do hot seat rankings. And the way it works is it's one to five. It's zero to five. Zero is untouchable. One is safe and secure. Two is all good for now. Three is pressure is mounting. Four is start improving now. And five is win or be fired. So looking at, thinking about that. That is the Mississippi State guy. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. I think his name is, oh, man, now I forget. Looking at Brian Harson from Auburn. On that scale of zero to five, where would you think he would be? You would think five, <laughs> but I would have to guess he. They probably put him at a three or four. He's at a four. Yeah. As well as Andy Avios, Scott Satterfield, Willie Taggart, and Jake Spavadol. But you know who I'm surprised to see has a three? Jimbo. Here's why I'm surprised. Texas A&M has not been good. They have pissed away opportunities multiple times over the last couple years. They have struggled offensively. However, due to Jimbo's contract, if you fire him without cause, because losing is not cause, if you fire him without cause... That just sucks to suck. Ninety-five million dollars. <laughs> That's the buyout. Is owed to that man. Oh. So, in layman's terms, you can't fire him. 
You can't. I don't care if you have an unlimited amount of oil money in College Station, Texas. You could be the richest man in the world. You're not paying anybody $95 million to kick them out of the building. You're just not. So, you know, Texas A&M, by the way, hate them too. You made your bed, you can lie in it. Jimbo's only good for crazy quotes. And going on rants about Nick Saban. And telling people to go into Nick Saban's closet. Because apparently he has skeletons. One guy that has cooled off his seat is one Mr. Mike Norvell of Florida State. At the beginning of the season, he was a three. The pressure was mounting. Contract coming to an end. Blah, blah, blah. Well, now the Seminoles are 4-1. and one. Their only loss being to a ranked Wake Forest team. So now Mike Norvell's chilling at a two. Which is all good for now. Interested to see... You know, how the Brian Harson situation develops. Because if you ask me, he's not going to be the coach there next year. He's just not. He doesn't deserve to be. Well, I, 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 let me rephrase that. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that he doesn't deserve to be. According to Auburn, he doesn't deserve to be. But, you know, everybody knows this about Auburn. The inmates run the asylum. The boosters do whatever the hell they want. Nobody bats an eye. The university president is just a figurehead. The athletic director just signs the check. And everybody else does whatever the hell they want. Why do you think Billy Napier, who hadn't had a head coaching job other than the University of Louisiana, was offered a five-year contract worth $6.5 million a year, and he said, nah, I'm good. I'm a pass. Thanks, though. You don't think that was because he didn't want to coach at Auburn. I mean, that's exactly why, but it's not that he didn't want an SEC job, or it's not that he didn't want to leave the University of Louisiana that he didn't want to deal with the boosters at Auburn. He wouldn't be running his own football program. Brian Harson's the puppet that dances. So, really and truly, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Because he's a good coach that isn't allowed to fully do his job. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. David, what's up, bud? Good afternoon. You mentioned um, Auburn and their situation with their, um, you said the inmates run their asylum in reference to the boosters. But isn't this the case with most big-time college programs, especially football, where the boosters basically dictate your hiring and firing, especially when it comes to the head coach? Not when you have an athletic director and university president that are willing to step in and say that's not how this is going to go. 
name me any that do this. Those big time programs where the athletic director and the, the school president will say, oh no, we're not going for it when the boosters say we want you to get rid of such and such coach coach. I mean I'm not gonna have I'm not you, I'm not gonna I have a situation off my head. Run the, basically run the show. Auburn, Bama, you know, the big-time programs, USC, UCLA, well, big-time um, Power 5 schools. You know, it, it's the nature of the beast. Yes, boosters you know, Boosters have a lot of influence, but it's a totally different ball game at Auburn. Even the athletic, the athletic directors and the university presidents, and especially the head coaches, aren't even allowed to fully do their job because of the politics and autonomy that goes on at Auburn. And everyone knows yeah. it. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you in reference to Auburn. I'm just saying it happens way more often than you're willing to let, you know, acknowledge or, you know, because I seriously doubt Auburn is the only program where this is occurring. Well, I don't disagree. Like you I said, probably, boosters... You can probably say half of the programs in the SEC alone disoccurred. And this is all the, the top the top programs in the SEC. Again, LSU like... LSU included. Again, like I said, boosters have a lot of influence. But Auburn's on a whole nother level. I hear you. I don't necessarily agree with you, but I do hear you. Have a good one. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked to multiple people that cover Auburn. Auburn's a different level. I mean, yes, boosters will always have a lot of pull and a lot of, of say in what happens. They're the ones that are writing the checks. I mean, that's that's how any business works. Your investors have pull. Your boosters have, I mean, that's that's obvious. But the political aspect and just the way things have run, are run at Auburn and have been run for a very long time, there's a reason that seven coaches before several coaches before Brian Harson said no to Auburn. It's an SEC West program. They didn't say no because the program wasn't good. They didn't say no because they couldn't recruit there. They said no because they knew that if they didn't win in two years, they'd be fired. Exhibit A, Brian Harson. The man's been there 18 months, and the storyline around the SEC is, well, how long is it going to take for Auburn to fire him? I mean, give me a break. That That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. The man hasn't even gotten a full recruiting class in the building. Or two full recruiting classes in the building. And you're already calling for his head. That's, that's ridiculous. I've always thought that was ridiculous. Anyways, the game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country, the 13th Gate. Text the word GATE to 337-283-8100 to enter to win a pair of general admission passes. Once again, that's GATE, G-A-T-E, to 337-283-8100. 
800-345-8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season at the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and The Game. Also, you can win VIP passes by registering in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. That's also courtesy of Midnight Productions and The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a time out when we return audio segment. We're going to talk LSU, Saints, and Cajuns right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man. Attention sports fans, your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, back for its 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. We've also got hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots and live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything from live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call today at 1 800 79 BetUS. That's 1 800 79 BetUS. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BetUS. If you join now and mention KLWB, you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the game begins. Thinking about putting Pelicans money line for tonight on BetUS, so if people people want to hit up that action, you know, some something to look at for sure. That me guys, James Mesh, twenty six after the hour. Brian Kelly met with the media yesterday, and he had a lot to say, and a lot of it wasn't pretty. Plain and simple, everything needs to get better. That it starts with putting together um, a comprehensive plan that can be repeated uh, in the game. And uh, the guy that has his hands on the ball is the quarterback. And he's going to get most of the notoriety when we do well, and he's going to get a lot of the blame when it doesn't go well. So uh, the quarterback is part of this. Uh, The wide receivers have got to be better at attention to detail. Their routes have to be better. We've got to throw it better and catch it better. There were probably five or six, and you probably can all remember them, where there needed to be a little bit better of a throw and a little bit better of a catch. And so that also goes to play calling. We've got to be able to look at, are these the plays that we can repeat? You also got to look at the way the offense is operating, you know, 85 passing yards against Auburn is not going to cut it against the top 10 teams in the SEC. That's what Brian Kelly said yesterday. The question now becomes, are you going to stick to quick pass and catch or are you going to actually work on the long ball? I could give you a, a video clip of all the, you know, the, the throws downfield. We've had a number of deep ball throws. They weren't this week. Last week uh, against New Mexico, that was a cover eight that was short passing game, catch it, run after the catch, threw for over 300 yards. Uh, this past weekend was not good enough. That's not going to get you a sustainable uh, offense uh, that can win games at the highest level 
uh, in the SEC. But that's coaching uh, and that's playing. Going to the Saints now, Dennis Allen met with the media yesterday when they arrived back in New Orleans, and he gave his thoughts on the quarterback performance of one Red Rifle. Yeah, look, I thought overall, I thought he played pretty well. You know, I think there's probably a few plays that that, uh, he'd probably like to have back. Obviously, the fumble right before the half was a big play, so I'm sure that was one that he'd like to have back. I think there was a couple of places that he might have been able to have another completion that – that he might would, would want back. But I thought overall, I thought he operated the, the offense efficiently, uh, particularly the way that we played in the second half, um, I thought was was really pretty good once we were able to kind of get the run and the play action game going. Now the question becomes, what's the process of changes that may need to be made going forward? Look, the key, the key is, is um, eliminating those things that, that uh, keep you from winning and, and if you can identify that it's um, coming from a certain area, then I think there's some changes that may need to be made. So I think we're going through that process. We're evaluating everything. Um, you know, we got to we got to perform better, and 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 we got to we got to coach better. And so there's there's some things that you know you know we have to we have to improve on, and and we all have to take ownership in that. It starts with me, and and works all the way down through the coaching staff onto the players. Going to the Cajuns now, similarly to the Saints, riding a three-game losing streak. You know, looking at a a multitude of things, playing two quarterbacks, one of them being hurt, the bye week coming up before you you play Marshall, what are the top things on the, quote, fix-it list? On the fix it list, well, it's just it's the technique and just the the, the it's the techniques and really just the execution of it. You know, got to do it consistently. And I think what we've shown is that when we're when we're down to business and it's got to happen, we can focus in and execute and get it done. So it's the urgency to do it all the time. Um, in practice, you continue to try to put them in situations where, you know, executing matters. It's not just a play. Every play matters. Um, and we've got some formats and practice and things that we that we have done that's gotten a little bit better that we need to continue to do um, to make every play important. Um, you know, and then on special teams, you got to work on the fundamentals and the way that you're blocking down the field and doing those things and playing. Um, got to continue to work on protection, cleaning it up, making sure we're all on the same page. And then on defense, you know, continue to put them in positions where two-minute drill, uh, end of half, end of game, whatever the case may be, continue to work those things and, and make us go out there and go execute when it counts. So it's really execution in critical times, and we've got to continue to put them in those positions. And then every position group, I say it all the time, has a fundamentals that you have to continue to inventory. And every player is a little bit different. Every group is different. Um, But the fundamental things that show up, with a bye week, you have a little bit more time to really get back to fundamentals and techniques. And so by position group, that's what we do every time we have a little bit of time. We'll sit down and We'll look at it and say, all right, in my position group, this is what's showing up, and we need to go back to work and get those things fixed. Des also talked about you know, the bye week and how the Cajuns have some time to rest up and, and get back right mentally, physically, all of the above. And according to Michael Desermo, the bye week is coming at the right time. Yeah, I think it does. You know, I think physically is a big part of it. You know, that was a physical game Saturday. Um, so certainly getting some guys back physically but mentally just being able to kind of take a deep breath and say all right you know let, let's 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 look in the mirror here let's go look at these things that we need to fix and let's just go back to work and go back to doing what we do and, and 
and just executing and just playing cleaner football, you know, I think is a thing. Uh, you, you just you can deal with losing when you play well and you and you get beat. It's really, really hard, even though I, I really have a lot of respect for the teams that we've played and particularly South Alabama. It's just hard when you don't feel like you're playing the way that you're supposed to play. And every week, all I ever want is for our kids to go out there and go play good football. I want them to go play the best they can play. And wherever that ends up being at the end on the scoreboard, I, I can live with all that. Because, you know, as disappointed as everybody else is, no one's more disappointed than the players. You know, I mean, it's they don't work their tails off all year to go out there and not play well. So that's that's just kind of part of it. I do think it's at a good time, though. And let's let's recenter. Let's kind of let's go back. Let's go figure out who we are right here, man. And let's just get back to playing our type of football. The Houston Astros host the Philadelphia Phillies tonight at Minute Maid Park in their final series of the regular season. Use your words. First pitch is set for 7-10, and you can listen to all the action live right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can also hear them live on the game tomorrow. First pitch is at 3-10, which means no crunch time tomorrow. So, you know, get your crunch time fix in right now. I know. No! I, I know. I know. It's upsetting. But it's all going to be okay. You know, we had a great show today, and we'll just bring you another great show on Thursday and Friday as well. So just hang tight. We're good. Take a time out. Brian Lalimo of Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 in Houston joins us next for To the Moon right here on The Game. Fly me to the moon. Guys and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brian Lalima, what's going on, buddy? How we doing, fellas? Is it Taco Tuesday or Tuxedo Tuesday? It is National Taco Day, so Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Uh, that means I gotta figure out how to get some tacos delivered to my house. Yeah, dude, you're gonna have to find a Del Taco or something. A Del Taco. I don't think we have those here in Houston, but um, That's I'm sure there's uh, something down the road. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I wish we had a Del Taco in Lafayette. But anyways, near the end of a really good regular season for the Houston Astros, I mean, 104-56, and you clinched the top seed in the AL. You're going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But in these two games, you know, what, what's what's the mindset? Are you playing to win? And and I I know that kind of sounds like a rhetorical question because you're always playing to win. But, like, what's the mindset if you're Dusty Baker in these last two games? So, if you saw last night and again tonight and then I'm sure tomorrow, uh, the day game tomorrow, Dusty Baker has run out all of his starters and they ran out Lance McCullers. You got Verlander on the mound tonight and you got Framber Valdez going tomorrow. So, I think it's stay with the – routine stay with the rotation and it's just another game it's not you know hey you know we're going to give the starters a couple of days off um you know that he pulled out the starters last night after six McCullers won six and then he pulled out Altuve Bregman and a couple of the other guys so I think it's just continue with the routine and go try to win the Phillies last night I mean Aaron Nola 
took a perfect game into the sixth or seventh or whatever it was. And, you know, the, the Phillies needed to win to clinch that last wild card spot in the NL. And, you know, obviously they did. But the goal, I would say, is continue to stay the course, have the same routine. Tonight, an interesting change in the lineup. Justin Verlander on the mound. Chaz McCormick playing center field rather than Mauricio Dubon, who we've seen uh, a lot over the last, you know, month or so when Verlander's on the mound, that's usually his guy in center field. But it's Chaz McCormick, and Dusty Baker said in the media availability that he's given Chaz opportunities because he wants Chaz McCormick to see how baseball's come off the bat when Verlander's on the mound for the postseason. So stay the course, stay healthy, finish the last two two uh, two games on a winning note, and go into the into the playoffs. Give me your thoughts on Machete's new pink mohawk. Look, man. <laughs> If anybody can pull that off, it's him. I don't know if uh, Miguez or Mesh can do that, but uh, I can't personally. Oh, so I if there's one guy that can do it, it's it's, uh, it's Martin Maldonado. Miguez certainly couldn't. <laughs> certainly could not. <laughs> Dude, I don't know anybody that can do that. I mean, uh, maybe, um, oh, my God, Francisco Lindor can probably do that. Um, maybe Framber Valdez. Maybe Luis Garcia, but Martin Maldonado, you know, one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. So if anybody's going to rock a pink mohawk, it's him. Looking at Justin Verlander, he's been stuck at 17 wins for the last few trips on the mound. Do you think he gets to number 18 tonight? I do. I do. Um, he wants to get, you know, he wants he wants as many wins as possible. Obviously, that's, that's a cliche thing, too. But, you know, the, the way that he plays the game, the competitor that he is. He wants to do anything and everything possible to lock up the Cy Young, which I think he's already going to get anyways. But an, another win will help uh, boost his case for it because coming off of Justin Verlander could easily get comeback player of the year and the Cy Young in the same season. I mean, that's crazy to think about. 39 years old, coming off of Tommy John, and he's about to go for his 18th win. If he stayed healthy and didn't have that little calf injury, he would probably be a 20-game winner. It's crazy to think about. Now, looking at you know Lance McCullers pitched last night, he's he's had quite a few outings since he came back from injury. You know, give me give me your thoughts on his overall performance this season. Well, he he, he man, it's it's uh, it's been good. You know, coming back from the injury that he had. Obviously, later in the season, they didn't rush him back because the rest of the pitching staff has been so damn good this season. You know, what we've seen from him, obviously, early uh, in his return, we saw the walks were up. The uh, One good thing, the velocity's been there, but the command of pitches has gotten gotten better since he's, you know, gotten more outings and, and pitched more innings. So I'm really excited to see him throw in the playoffs. We already know he's the, the super competitor that he is. And he's going to give you everything he's got. But the command of the pitches, the walks have gone down. Uh, his slider is disgusting, as always. The changeup is there. Uh, the sinker takes off five or six feet. I mean, what we've seen from him, it, it, it's been good. He's got the fresh, you know, the most fre- the freshest arm. So that's always a plus, too. So, I mean, he should be your number three in the rotation when you get into the ALDS. Looking at the postseason, what are your expectations for potential ALDS matchups? Uh, you mean who do, who do I think the Astros are going to play? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be either the Mariners or the or the Blue Jays. So there's 
there's a couple things here. The, the Blue Jays are going to host, so Rogers Center is going to be absolutely bananas. Um, they're they're young. They have a really really good hitting lineup, but I just I'm not sure of their pitching staff after Alex Manoa. And then on the flip side, the Mariners, obviously first time in the playoffs in 21 years, they're playing really good baseball. They added Luis Castillo to that starting rotation. Logan Gilbert is also up there. They have a really good pitching staff, um, but their lineup isn't as good as Toronto's. And so I, I, I don't know, man. This, this, these wild card rounds for both leagues, meaning the American and National, they're going to be so wild because they're three-game series now. Every team – is going to try to empty the tank and do anything and everything to win those games. So whatever team does advance, they're already going to be at a disadvantage because their starting rotations are going to be so screwed up that they might have to start their three, their number three or their number four, or have a you know a, a piggyback game where you see a starter come or like a like an opener type situation. An opener come out, throw a couple innings, and then boom, it's a bullpen game from there on out. I plus let's not forget the Blue Jays have George Springer. Who's a heavy presence in that locker room? I don't really know, you know, what expectations I have because these—it's the first time we've seen a three-game series for the wild card. I just know it's going to be madness, and I can't wait to watch. You see, do, what do you think about the three-game wild card? I personally don't like it, but what do you think? I, I'm indifferent right now, um, man. It's—it's it's, part of me doesn't like it. Part of me does. From the fan perspective, I love it. But then from like where I'm analyzing it and kind of being a quote-unquote baseball purist, part of me doesn't like it. So I'm like right down the middle. I know from a viewing experience, dude, it's going to be wild. I'm telling you, it's going to be nuts. But I think it just kind of screws up all of the travel, you know, uh, games three, four, and five of the ALDS or back-to-back-to-back. There's no days off in between that game four and game five if necessary. So that part of it I don't like. And then you go into the ALCS and it's all compacted. So that, that's the part that I don't like. Chatting with Brian Lima of Apollo HOU. Two guys that have played well lately and one guy that hasn't. The two that have played well, Kyle Tucker and Alex Bregman. And then the one guy that hasn't played well, where the hell has Trey Mancini been? Man, Trey, Trey Mancini is struggling. Um, you know, it's, it's he's getting contact, but he, he there's a lot of flyouts. There's a lot of strikeouts. He just looks so uncomfortable there. Um you know, you got him because you wanted him to be able to hit home runs into that Crawford box, uh, into the Crawford boxes, you know, and it's just, it's gone downhill, man. And, and it's, but we've seen it from, you know, we've seen it from pretty much every Astro outside of, of Jose Altuve this season. So Bregman started off cold. Kyle Tucker was, was ice cold at one point and ended up being an all-star and he's played well. Uh, Jeremy Pena is another guy that's playing really well right now. He's seen the baseball better. He went through a slump. Uh, they were throwing him slider after slider, so I, I don't know, man. It, it's um, Mancini's going through it right now, and just like any other professional baseball player, you just have to grind through it and try to put good at bats together, and, and hopefully, baseball's find find a couple of holes and he can get rolling because the Astros are going to need him uh, coming off the bench in in October. Now, looking looking at Jig Mars with him being back on the show, do you think he could step up and be a factor for this team? Yeah, I, I um, man. <laughs> To be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know what what their plan is for center field. From where I see, I think it should be Chaz McCormick. Um, I think he should be your everyday center fielder. He should be in the lineup um, going forward in October. Um, he hits righties really well. 
um, or is it lefties? I think it's lefties. I'm sorry. Um, you know, he struggles against the slider, but he's he's made adjustments um, defensively. Yeah, Jake Myers is your best center fielder, but you know, he was up at the big league club, coming off of that injury. He obviously wasn't healthy enough to to contribute. They sent him back down. He hit he hit the hell out of the baseball for the Sugarland Space Cowboys. So, do I think he can step up? Yeah, sure. Uh, of course, because we saw it last year in the playoffs before he got hurt. Um, will he do it? That's only time will tell. Do I think so? Yeah, I think he can. But I think going forward, I think it should be Chaz McCormick as your starter. All right, Brian, I got a question for you because I went on a rant about it earlier. Aaron Judge chasing 62. Are you tired of watching him get walked on cut-ins? I- I'm tired of the cut-ins. I know that. I- as far as walking him, I, I- – Man, you know, if, if the if the situation dictates where you have to walk him, like that's one thing. I think I watched uh, one of his at bats a couple of days ago when they cut in during college football, or was it was it uh, Thursday night football? Whatever it was, there was a football game on, and he was like down in the count, fouled off some pitches, um, and then eventually got walked. And I'm like, uh, if I want to watch the Yankees game, like I'm gonna find it and watch it. I don't like the cut ins. It's cutting into my my football time, man. Like, Thank I, you. like word for word, what I said. He's chasing. He's chasing the seventh high, the seventh rank, you know, or the seventh highest home run total in a single season. Like Sammy Sosa hit over sixty-five bombs like three times in his career. Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. Like, I mean, I get he's chasing Roger Maris, and it's a big-time deal. But to cut in, like, come on, man. Now, since it's National Taco Day, what's your go-to meat on a taco? Go-to meat. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm easy. Just give me give me some grilled fajita chicken or some <laughs> uh, just some grilled steak, man. Not, nothing crazy, no carne asada or whatever that other you know uh, whatever else Ooh. you got. I, I'm I'm I like I like a good shrimp taco. Don't get me wrong, there a it. good shrimp taco goes a long way. There it is. There it is. So, With our so yeah, I, I dabble in a, in a shrimp taco every now and then. Now, if you were making a poll question, do you think that ground beef and steak should have been like combined into the same option? No. No, okay. ground beef is completely different than steak. Thank you. They're both who, who beef. Said, who's, who said that? Who said that ground beef and, and steak should be in the same category? Matt, he made the poll question. They're both beef. Matt, what are we doing, son? And then he also put fish and shrimp together. Oh, my God. No, fish is fish. Shrimp is shrimp. Thank you. They're both fish. They're completely no, different. They're both, no, they're both seafood. They're not oh. fish. A shrimp is not a fish. A shrimp is a shrimp. A fish <laughs> is a fish. Matt, come on. Matt, you're 25. You should be knowing these things. I'm 25 and married. I should know better. I'm so sorry. Matt, what are you? Matt, come on, man. Oh my God. God. James, get your boy, dude. Get I'm gonna your have boy. to. I'm gonna have to whip him into shape. Brian LaLima of Apollo Matt, HOU. You get, you get married and all of a sudden you forget what a shrimp is and what a fish is? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I get, I, you, you, you tell him bye. I can't even do this. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Appreciate it, Brian, for uh, coming on. For- hey, I enjoyed every Tuesday, guys. Y'all have a good one. All righty. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control.
Now back to more Crunch Time with Miquez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'm worried about Matt. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat no bet for up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using promo code KLWB. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. FanDuel is one of the best places to bet on the money line, the point spreads, player props, and so much more. And then when you get paid, you get paid fast for your winnings. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So sign up today with promo code KLWB for your no-sweat first bet. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-drawable free bets that expire after 14 days. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. You want to say you're worried about me? You're the one saying let's put salmon in a taco! Sam is good. Not in a taco! What do you mean? What's wrong with it? You use whitefish in a taco. You use tilapia, cod, bass. My personal favorite in a taco is mahi-mahi. I was going to say... Salmon? Next you're going to tell me you eat tuna fish tacos. Oh, God. Tuna's good. Not on a taco. Oh, my God. And not in a can, either. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it from a can, Ugh. no. That's going to do it for Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game. Shout out Chris Connor for talking all things Pelicans and, of course, Brian LaLima for To The Moon Tuesdays. James Mesh, I'm at Miguez. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them. Tune into the KDCG auction next right here on Channel 50.2. And we will be back on Thursday, same time, same station. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers.